Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Kia ora. Good morning, everybody. I, um, it's nice to hear that Josh was climbing up a mountain. I'll, you guys want to hear a funny Josh story really quickly just to kick off? So uh, we went and played golf last week. I, I kid you not, I, I ended up in a fetal position on the ground crying with laughter. Um, there are just, just like so many great scenarios when you play golf with people, like myself included, who can't play golf. Um, we had this moment, Josh teed off with his big driver and it went like five feet. And then he got the hybrid out, smacked it, and it went 200 meters and he's like, I'm amazing. I have totally redeemed myself. This is the best shot I've ever played in my life. And then he hit the next shot and it went 30 meters straight into a tree and then backwards 50 meters. <laughs> it's like, whoosh, you know, dodging bullets. And um, we were playing. He, he won the first, the first round. I won the second round. So then we had to have a tiebreaker and that was even. Uh, so we have, to, we have to keep playing until, you know, one of us wins because we're Van Burkles and somebody has to be a victor. And so we came to another hole and Josh was like, I'll, I'll tee off first. And so he puts the ball down and you, the way golf works is these white wooden cubes to show where men tee off. And then about five meters ahead, there are yellow cubes to show where the women get to tee off. And he drove the ball and instead of going up, it went like a bullet straight along the ground, hit the woman's marker and then went flying backwards. And he ended up about 15 metres further back after his initial drive, and I just totally lost it. It was, honestly, it was the funniest thing. If you ever want to see Josh resemble uh, a heathen, um, (laughs) come watch him play golf. And uh, I'm definitely included in that. Anyway, I just wanted to start off with a little bit of a fun story. I'm just all... yeah, you're welcome. I like Josh's T-shirt. It's a good one. He wore it last Sunday too, I noticed. It's all right. <laughs> okay, we should get into things because what I'd love to do, I want to share for about 15 minutes, then I want us to have a bit of discussion time and, and all of these things. So uh, my title this morning, if you are a note taker, is uh, Obedience, the Key to Adventure. Obedience, the Key to Adventure. And I say the key to adventure because I would be lying if I said the, that obedience was the key to Western prosperity in the way that our world here likes to lift up success. Obedience takes our relationship with God and puts it in the fast lane of adventure. What it doesn't do, it doesn't put us in the fast lane of convenience, It doesn't put us in the fast lane of comfort. It doesn't put us in the fast lane of security. And it doesn't put us in the fast lane of what the world would define as success. What it does, it puts us in the fast lane of adventure. And if you want, you could could substitute the word adventure for the word fulfillment. It gives us fulfillment. When we try to do things of our own desires and everything like that, they end up feeling somewhat empty. 
But when we come into a space where God begins to lead us into something and we begin to surrender aspects of our life and go, God, I, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't think that I can do this. I'm not even sure why we should do this. But God, you're the one that said to do this. And so I'm going to step into it. That's when life begins to be a lot more adventurous and a lot more fulfilling. And so what I want us to do is we shortly we're going to get into a group and we're going to discuss a few things because I just want to talk from my own experience. I know that personality-wise, I'm quite unique. Um, but life experience-wise, I, I have the same challenges that most of us in the room have. And I've been reflecting on what my main barriers are to obeying God. Because we would all say that we know from reading the Bible that if we want life to go well for us from God's perspective, then we go, yeah, we, we want to obey God. I don't think there's anybody here in the room if I say, is it a good idea to obey God that we would go, you know what, fundamentally from a theological perspective, I think we'd be prudent to have a definite potential maybe and leave some variables open. We all know that we should obey God. So then the question that we need to ask ourselves, if intellectually we know we should obey God, then why is it at times that we are so good at finding excuses to remove the responsibility on us to be obedient in all the big things and all the little things that Christ has called us to do in life. A while ago, this is going back quite a few years, I was um, probably getting into the early stages of burnout in ministry. I've been pastoring for a while. And I was at a, uh, our movement's national conferences. I was a new life pastor at the time. And I was there at conference. And I had decided that morning that I was going to resign. I was done. I was going to quit ministry. I had, I had just had enough and had nothing left to give. And the guest speaker was on the stage. And I told Rowena um, that I was done. And I was going to resign, basically, when I got home. And this guest speaker's on the stage, and he says, look, God's telling me right now that there are pastors in this room, and you have recently decided that you are going to quit. I want you to come up now, and we're going to pray for you. <clears throat> and I've always been a big believer in, in giving God opportunity to move and being obedient, even in a service, and being proactive and responding. But the problem I had was that my senior pastors were sitting on one side of me and everybody that I led in ministry that worked for me was on the other side of me and then the leadership team were behind me and I thought, well, there's no way I'm getting up in front of all these people because it's far too humiliating to, to own the fact that I'm feeling so broken. And Rowena's jabbing me in the side going, get up there, you get up there now. You, you get your butt up to the front. And so I'm like, you know, oh, there's some people moving to me. Oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to kind of get into the stream of people moving, get to the front, and I'm going to hide. I'm going to hide here. And then all of a sudden, I've realized that because of the momentum of people and everything, I am now in the very center at the front row of all these people that are just wanting to quit. And I'm just like, okay, well, maybe... I just, maybe someone who doesn't really know me will pray for me. And you've got your eyes closed and you feel a hand come in your head. I'm like, oh, who is it? Oh, it's our movement leader. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know? 
A while later, I ended up um, having a conversation. This is a year later. Conversations, obviously didn't quit ministry in that moment was a great turning point because I was obedient in that moment, you know, reluctantly. Uh, But I had a conversation with the guest speaker who gave that altar call. Saw him a year later at another event and I said, I was about to quit ministry and you had a word of knowledge that there were pastors in the room that were about to quit. And he said, well, that's interesting. Why were you wanting to quit? And I said, because I felt so unfulfilled. I had poured myself out over and over and over and I was looking at all my hard work and everything in ministry and I just, I couldn't see any success on it. You know, people weren't getting saved the way that I wanted to see people saved. You know, there was an pres- aspect of the presence of God, but not to the measure that my heart desired. You know, sick people were still staying sick after I'd prayed for them. And, you know, at the end of the day, I looked at everything that I was doing and there was no great significance on it. And I just like, well, this, the ministry that I'm pouring myself into is void of success. So why carry on? And he said, well, that's interesting. I don't, you know, basically, I don't think you know what success looks like. And he said, my wife and I, we redefined a very long time, a very specific definition of what success is. And he said, I want to tell you that success is simply this. Regardless of the outcome, was I obedient to what God asked me to do? And so often in life, we we look at things and we go, oh, I will do this. And if it is successful, then I will know that this was a good thing to have done. But sometimes what God will call us to will not measure up to our paradigm of what success should look like. And then he went on and he said this other thing. He says, because success now to my wife and I is only defined by were we obedient to what God said to do, there is no room now for fear of man or fear of failure to interject into our life because we're not looking to anybody and we're not looking to any circumstances and we're not looking to any outcomes to validate who we are. And all we need to do now is simply ask ourselves honest, transparent questions. Am I being obedient in life right now to what the Father has asked from me? And if you can answer yes, then you are living in the highest form of success. And so I I wanted to bring this out as as the as a definition, as we look at success to wrestle through so that we don't live under a false thinking that if I do what God asks me to do, then life will smell like roses. Because quite often God will ask us to do things that benefits his kingdom, but doesn't necessarily benefit us in the immediate future. I know that when Jesus was going to the cross, he wasn't thinking, oh man, this is going to benefit me like in the next few hours so much. I'm so, every time I do what my father says, I'm just, I'm just blessed to be a blessing. You know, we need to hold this paradigm that God looks at our life in a different way that we look at it, that his ways aren't our ways. And I, I believe 
hugely in the biblical principles that, that when we're obedient, God blesses our life. And that when God can trust us with the little things and we're obedient with those things and he gives more to us. I believe all of those principles. But I also believe that we shouldn't define just prosperity or increase in our life the way that the world will look at it to define are we being successful as sons and daughters of God. So I wanna, I wanna talk about three things that hold me back from being obedient. The three big hurdles in my life, the three jadabars, whatever it is that you'd like to label them, and these are the most, the most common three for me, and I think they'd be pretty common for the room. And I'm going to discuss these for a few moments, and then we're going to break into groups, and we're just going to have conversation around what, what are our barriers, what are our challenges when it comes to being obedient to God, either in the big things or the little things. My first one is selfishness. I'm just quite selfish. I know that I'm selfish because I think about myself a lot. I'm always thinking about me, what I want to do, what I want to wear, what I want to eat, what I want to watch, how I want people to think about me, how I want to come across to others, how I want to do well for God because I want to be successful in my own eyes as a man of God. What car I want to drive, where I want to live, what I want my house to be like, what I want my golf score to be like, what I want my brother's golf score to be like. It's me, me, me all the time. And so often when God calls me to do something, it, it costs me something in the immediate. And I don't want to give up whatever it is, whether it's time, energy, emotions or money, I don't want to. I like those things. I have spent a lot of time thinking about how I could get myself those things and I want to hold those things quite tightly because they make me feel good about myself and if I surrender these things to you, God, then I have to trust you for fulfillment. And that's then another ball that's not in my court. And I would like to maintain that illusion of control with my stuff as much as I can. So selfishness, <laughs> mm. selfishness is, is, honestly, it's just such a good group. <laughs> selfishness is one of my biggest barriers. My second, probably first equal barrier, I'm going to be honest, because these guys, these pivot between each other, is fear. Fear that I'm going to fail. Fear that when I fail, other people will notice my failure. Fear that not only will the people that I know notice my failure, but all the people that they know will notice my failure. And every time that God asks me to do something new for him in his kingdom, it seems to be on a slightly like higher platform of influence, a slightly bigger reach, a slightly uh, more elevated position to see his kingdom move from. He goes, I want you to do this because I want to call you into this. And I go, God, I just feel like this is a bigger place to publicly fail from. And I wrestle with all of those fears because I'm selfish. 
and I want everybody to think well of me. And I'm afraid of what people will think if I fail. But if I just play it safe and I just stay the course, God, then I don't, I'm not risking losing anything. The fun thing with fear, though, is that as you push through fear into the adventure of God, not only does God go, well, I can trust you with more of my kingdom, but the experience of seeing God partner with you in that season begins to teach our soul that he's a father that we can trust. I don't know how much God actually trusts me with his kingdom. Um, I, I was gonna say he probably trusts me more than he should, but he, he couldn't be wrong. I wouldn't trust me with much, but I am learning the biggest thing in my life is not how much God trusts me, but how much do I trust him? And how many opportunities am I giving fear to be proven wrong by stepping out of the boat and seeing what he will do? And the last one for obedience is clarity, or rather the lack of clarity. God, you asked me to do something, but I wasn't paying attention, and I never heard you. I disobeyed you out of ignorance, out of a lack of intimacy, I was unaware of the whispers of my father. And so the hungry person that I went past remained hungry. The, the naked person remained unclothed. The unloved person remained unloved. The, the area of conflict remained unsolved because of the distraction and confusion in my own life, because of a lack of clarity, I had no awareness of what it is that you're asking. And so it simply went unheeded, not intentionally, just through a lack of intimacy. Sometimes we struggle with clarity because we're like, God, oh, I'm trying to hear from you. I want to be used by you, but I'm just not getting anything. And if you're in that space right now, then I want to say there's this great book called the Bible. Um, and Jesus is full of ideas in it of things that we could and should be doing. And if you're in a space at the moment where you are lacking momentum in your, in your walk with God, and, and you'd like me, he's just not talking to you about things. He's not actually asking you to do things. You have this sense, like, I don't even feel like he's inviting me into any adventure. There's nothing that I need to lay down or conquer fear with. Then I would just say, look, go through the book of the, you know, the John or Matthew or Mark or Luke and just pick something. Jesus says, if you love me, you know, feed the poor. Do this or do that. Just pick one thing and go, you know what? For no other reason than he said it in the written word of God, I will be obedient, I will pick one thing and I will start doing it and I will be faithful with what he's made black and white on paper. And as I do that, then I'll have an expectation that the Holy Spirit revelation, the Rema word of God will begin to interject into my own life. I heard a guy once say that if you don't know what to do in life, just do the $5 challenge. Every week have a $5 note on you and then gradually make it every day. And just look around for people that you feel that God wants to bless. Walk up to them, total strangers, and just say, hey, I felt that God wants you to know that he loves you, and 
He just wants you to have $5 so you can get yourself a complimentary cup of coffee on him today. He says, it is amazing the opportunities that you have to demonstrate the love of God if you, for no other reason, just do a $5 challenge. So even then, if you go, well, you know what, Jared, I don't know if I'm ready to start going out feeding the poor and doing this. I don't even know how to start. My challenge for you would be maybe to start with a $5 challenge. Put a $5 note in your pocket and go, my goal this week is to give this to a stranger that I don't know, to let them know that they are loved and that God is thinking of them. I will start with something so that I give God something to work with. So what are our barriers? Mine's selfishness, mine's fear, and mine's a lack of clarity. They're the barriers that I need to often daily fight through to be able to step into obedience. Not obedience so that my life is successful by my definition, but obedience so that I am doing what my Father has asked me to do, the only true definition of what success should look like. So what I want us to do is I want us to break into some spaces now, um, groups of three, four, five, six, seven's just far too many, so let's not get ridiculous, um, and have a conversation, go, you know, where is it that you struggle, and what are some things that you could be doing to overcome those hurdles? And let's make it as practical as we can. Sound good? Awesome. All right, let's bust a move. Maybe sound team could put on a little bit of sounds or we could get that really cool ringtone going in with a happy whistle. And I just feel like, yeah, zippity-doo-da, zippity-day. Um, awesome team. All right, let's get bust a move, find a few groups, and then uh, that will be excellent. Hello, everybody. I'll just grab your attention for a moment. Hey, I'm just going to leave us with one last thought and then close the service, but feel free to carry on your great conversations and discussions and debates in your group. I'll just hang out at the back, um, having a great conversation, and I just want to leave you with this last thought. For me, you know, if I've got a barrier that's this big, then to be able to move past that into obedience, I just need to shift my thinking and my heart motivation to a reason that is just a fraction bigger. That's what I need in my own mind to be able to tip the psyche in the right, right direction. And for me, selfishness, fear, those aspects, that, it's like the devil trying to blackmail you when you're afraid you know, that you're gonna embarrass yourself publicly or you're gonna lose your finance. Um, he's trying to blackmail you going, hey, you could lose all of this. And so what I do to try and break out of that, it's almost like if Josh wanted to blackmail me with something because he had some dirt on my life and I just went to the Christchurch Press and I just put it on the front page of the paper, uh, I go, well, you can't blackmail me now because I took control and I put it out there for the world to see. And so when fear begins to tell me you could lose everything in this, I need to get back into that space of it not being just head knowledge, but a heart understanding fresh again that I have nothing in this life, that I have been crucified in Christ and I no longer live, um, that my life is forfeit and all that I am is dedicated to him and he is all that I'll ever need. And when I get back into that place, I then it's like fear then goes, or I have nothing to ransom you with. I have nothing to blackmail you with because you have nothing. 
Um, and in that moment, fear becomes totally disempowered. Um, I want to say disenfranchised because I like that word, but I don't actually know what it means. Um, so, you know, uh-huh. I had the opportunity to sound intelligent, but, you know, wasn't really going to happen. So, uh, just have that thought with you as well to look at how do I disempower these things? What, what do I need to process through in my understanding, my revelation, so that these hurdles aren't hurdles that I have to jump over all the time? Well, when they do come up, I actually know where do I need to position my heart so that I've totally disempowered them. Um, awesome. I'm just going to pray. God, you're awesome. Amen. Uh, feel free to get a tea, coffee, grab your children. It's the end of the service. Carry on your conversations. Have a great time. Invite somebody home for lunch. Everybody watching online, thank you so much. Champion.